Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. With today's lesson, we begin a six-week study on the life of David from the Old Testament books of 1st and 2nd Samuel. In preparation for our study today, I want to take a step back in time to give a brief history of the Jewish people. In Genesis chapter 12, we learn of a man named Abram. God called Abram to leave his family and go to a new place where God would show him. God promised Abram at that time that God would bless him with descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. In fact, the promise extended beyond Abram's physical descendants. God would bless the whole world through this one man. Scripture says that Abram believed God. He became the father of faith, and he left his people and his homeland. Through many tests of faith, the Jewish people began to multiply, fulfilling God's promise to Abram. Because of a famine in the promised land, the people of God moved from Canaan to Egypt, where they stayed for 400 years and ultimately became slaves to Pharaoh. While in Egypt, the Israelites multiplied greatly in number. In the course of time, God miraculously de delivered Israel from Egypt through Moses' leadership. After wandering for 40 years in the desert, Joshua led Israel into the promised land. The people of Israel had to fight many groups for the land. When they were faithful to the Lord, God was with them and the battles went well. When they were unfaithful, the Hebrew people suffered. For three to 400 years, judges were appointed to help save Israel from the surrounding people warring for the land of Canaan. The people of Israel noticed that their neighbors had kings while Israel did not. Eventually, the people of Israel came to the prophet Samuel and asked Samuel to appoint a king of Israel. This request displeased Samuel and the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 6 and 7 says, But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected but they have rejected me as their king. Samuel, at the leading of the Lord, granted Israel's request, and a man named Saul was anointed king of Israel. Saul was impressive physically, a natural pick for king. First, cha First Samuel chapter 9, verse 2 says that Saul was as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. At Saul's anointing as the first king of Israel, the prophet Samuel had had high hopes for Israel's first king. 
He had presented Saul to the people as the one whom God had chosen, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 24. Yet in the very first year of his reign, Saul impatiently assumed the role of an anointed priest and sacrificed a burnt offering to a uh, prior to a battle with the Philistines, 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 9. This act displeased the Lord, and through Samuel, God revealed to Saul that Saul's kingdom would not endure, chapter 13, verse 14. In fact, God had already chosen Saul's replacement, a man who was not from Saul's family. The identity of the new king, however, was not revealed at that time. Some time later, Saul again displeased the, uh, disobeyed the word of the Lord given through Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 1 through 9. God revealed his righteous decree in 1 Samuel 15, 23, when he said, Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. The story of Saul represented a, a bitter irony. When the people asked for a king, they rejected God's rule over them. In the end, God ultimately rejected the king the people demanded. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23. The whole story of Saul brought great sadness to the prophet Samuel. And with that background, I want to look together with you at 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven sons pass before Samuel. 
But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. As our passage begins in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, we see Samuel as a man with deep human feelings longing for the, the way things could have been with Saul. The time for mourning, however, had come to an end. God had determined that it was time to anoint a new king. He instructed Samuel to fill his horn with oil. In Old Testament times, horns of domestic animals were used as bottles or flasks to carry olive oil, which had several uses in everyday life. One of the important uses of oil was in religious ceremonies. In Exodus chapter 29 and 30, God instructed Moses to anoint priests as well as sprinkle oil on the tabernacle and its furnishings. By doing this, God pronounced both priest and tabernacle consecrated, that is, sanctified or set apart from ordinary life in order to serve the Lord. During Israel's monarchy, Saul, David, Solomon, and so on, prophets and priests anointed the rulers. Since oil often symbolized the spirit of God when used in religious ceremony, anointing somebody with oil signified divine selection divine renewal, and divine appointment. The anointing of a person marked them as God's chosen for a special task in his kingdom. People would have understood that God was doing something new among the people through this new leader. The act of pouring oil on a new leader's head signified the outpouring of God's empowering spirit. The Hebrew word for anoint is mashach. Another similar word in Hebrew is uh, mashiach, which is translated anointed one. Mashiach in English is Messiah, which is translated in Greek as Christos, which of course is where we find the English word Christ. By referring to Jesus of Nazareth as Jesus Christ, the early Christian believers confessed that God had chosen and empowered Jesus to renew his people. So you can see that the anointing of the king of Israel was no small thing. Just a side note before we move on, in Psalm chapter 23, King David sees himself as a special guest at God's table and describes the honor of being anointed 
by God himself. Psalm chapter 23, verse 5 says, You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's important for us to understand this as we live on this side of history, after the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit filled those who believed in Jesus. They were anointed, if you will. Today, the Spirit still fills those who consecrate themselves before him. So putting this all together, realize today that God has chosen all those who put their faith in Jesus to be anointed or filled with his spirit. His purpose in filling us with his spirit is not just for us to feel something. God desires, uh, God's desire is that we, the anointed ones, empowered by his spirit, would bring his renewal to the lives of others. Let's return to 1 Samuel chapter 16. God had said to Samuel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. Samuel had first served as a priest prophet in the tabernacle at Shiloh. After the destruction of Shiloh in uh, 1050 BC, Samuel made his home in a town called Ramah. The road from Ramah to Bethlehem passed right through Gibeah, King Saul's home and capital. Saul and Samuel were not on good terms at this point, and Saul's guards would have been would have seen Samuel walking through Gibeah. No reigning king, of course, would tolerate a secret anointing of another as king in his place. If Saul had learned of such an anointing, he would have likely executed both Samuel and Jesse's entire family for plotting to overthrow him as the king. Samuel understood this and made his concerns known to God. Saul will kill me if I walk through Gibeah in order to anoint one of Jesse's sons in Bethlehem. So God gave Samuel cover. God said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Verse 2. The people of Bethlehem were surprised to see the prophet Samuel. This town of Jesse's family was not a part of Samuel's normal journey. He, he revealed that he had brought a sacrifice. This was his cover story, remember. He instructed the elders to consecrate themselves, uh, which, according to Exodus chapter 19, verse 10, involved washing their clothes. And then he instructed them to join him for the sacrifice. Then Samuel consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice as well. Verse 5. Jesse had eight sons, and God's chosen was residing among them. Samuel did not know which son God had selected. So one by one, the sons paraded before Samuel, starting with the oldest, Eliab. As soon as, Saul saw, as soon as Samuel saw Eliab, the oldest and likely the tallest, he thought, surely this is the one. It seemed it was Eliab's outward appearance that had grabbed Saul's, uh, Samuel's attention. In the business world and in the church world, 
we are influenced by secular practices and methodologies. It's easy to get caught up in the ability of a person to woo those around them. A handsome or a pretty pastor is very enticing to a church that's interviewing. Our scripture today reminds us that God's guidance is essential when his people look for a leader. The Lord corrects Samuel's thought about Eliab. In verse 7, he says, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look on uh, look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The heart in Hebrew thought and tradition represented much more than just a physical organ in the chest cavity. The heart encompassed the whole person as it served as the seat of one's emotions, intellect, and will. The story of Saul proved that outward appearances alone can be deceiving. While Saul was tall and handsome, he lacked faith and crit at critical points in his story and failed to obey God throughout his kingship. After Eliab, Jesse presented six more of his sons. Only the first three are even named, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah. God rejected all seven. It's likely that God's spirit was speaking to Samuel's spirit with words that only Samuel could hear. Interestingly, no one, not Jesse or the seven brothers, even suggested that the eighth brother, David, be brought in for the festival, let alone so that Samuel would consider him as the one to be anointed with oil. God, however, had pre-selected David, not because of his appearance, but because of his heart. This should encourage anyone who's felt insignificant or possibly wondered, could God ever use me? David was the youngest child, the least likely to be considered as a candidate for this important position as king. Don't be deceived. God can use you for his purpose. He is simply looking at your heart. It's also interesting that David was shepherding the flock at the time of Samuel's visitation. The scriptures often use the metaphor of a shepherd with leadership roles. God's greatest leaders in the Old Testament think Abraham, Moses, David. They learned how to, to tend the flock before they shepherded the people. Often the lessons learned while caring for the sheep provided invaluable when an individual took on leadership responsibilities. When David arrived, Samuel's spirit resonated with God's, and he clearly heard God's affirmation, rise and anoint him. This is the one, verse 12. Immediately, Samuel uncorked the horn of oil and poured it over David's head right there in the presence of his brothers. The author of 1 Samuel concludes this story with the revelation uh, that the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David, verse 13. From King David to Jesus to you and to me, 
God doesn't look at what the world looks at. He sees our hearts. To those with faith to believe, God pours out his spirit. Will we allow God to use us, his anointed ones, empowered by his spirit to make a difference in this world? Let's be a part of what God is doing around us. Let's join him in his renewing work in the lives of broken people. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org slash podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.